0: If you have your Bible, open them up to the 6th chapter of Ephesians. <clears throat> I'm going to pick up where we left off. We'll go over one more piece of armor today. See what Paul has in store for us as we deal with our daily battles against the adversary. We, um, how many people have been wearing the armor? I've been trying to. Try to apply it. It's something that we need to do. I know it sounds kind of, kind of cliche and things like that, but... And maybe, maybe the way it's worded is and the, the way we speak today. But there is a, there is an armor that is necessary for our for our deliverance, and uh, we need to put it on. We need to put it on every day. Make sure that you get up and you get committed, and uh, make sure that you put on that breastplate of righteousness and live a holy life throughout the day, every day, just one day at a time. If you can do it one day at a time, you'll do well. And then remember that our security lies in the gospel of peace, those shoes of, shoes of the gospel. That's our security. In verse 10, it says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his best strength. Put on the full armor of the Almighty so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of the Almighty so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish the flame and arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is Yahweh's word. All right, the shield of armor the shield of faith is the piece of armor that we're going to examine today in verse 16. Uh, how many people in here lack a little faith from time to time? Amen. I know I do. I struggle with that one. Sometimes faith's hard to muster up. It's just hard to, hard to get it out, and uh, it seems that the most of the time when trouble comes my way, I tend to lean on my own physical resources rather than trusting and having faith in Yahweh, and I guess that's just my nature. I seen a little article thing this week where a guy has a big old tractor it's huge, you know like one of those big earth movers and on the side of it he's got a name wrote on the side of it it says faith and it says because she'll move mountains and I named her faith and uh I guess that's that's the way i am i, I put put a lot of a lot of trust in things that I can do myself and uh, I try to try to manage most of my problems myself and i I don't think uh, don't get me wrong I don't think that that's uh always a bad thing it's okay in a lot of ways uh, to work out your worldly problems and do all that you can with the physical resources and the things that you have to help yourself out there's nothing wrong with that because remember what brother james says he says um, foolish man are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless yeah. so it's not a bad thing to put forth some effort on your own to solve your problems but all the while that we're doing that we ought to be praying that yahweh would make our efforts be fruitful For example, if you're sick, we know some people that in here here that are sick and people that have been sick. Uh, If you've got a cough, take a little cough syrup. If you can take a home remedy, take a home remedy. Do what you can do and then ask Yahweh to help you, help you to heal with your ailment. Nothing wrong with that. But today, Paul's not talking so much about everyday needs for our fleshly body. He's not talking about whether or not we can pay our bills. He's uh, not talking about whether or not our relationship is up to par with our spouse. He's not talking about if our car is running right or if our job's going well. That's not his intent here. These are things that we can put forth some effort with and we can correct on our own. Again, not saying that we shouldn't pray about these things too. That's not the context here in the book of Ephesians. Remember, throughout chapter 4 through 6, Paul dealt with the life of the believer and what is expected from the believer in a moral sense. So chapter 4 talks about the worthy walk, the walk of unity and uniqueness and the love walk. Then chapter 5 talks about a wise walk, a spirit-filled walk. We went over all that stuff in the past, and you can go back and listen to those sermons. But those are all good walks, and we should practice those walks. But now we're in chapter 6, and Paul's talking about a walk of warfare. In other words, the manner of our life is somewhat supposed to be in constant conflict with the evil one just because of our nature if our nature is spiritual then we will constantly battle Satan so the context is spiritual warfare here in chapter 6 and so we must maintain that concept as we study this block of verses so when we read verse 16 and it says in every situation take the shield of faith and with it you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one what do you think Paul has in mind I believe that he has in mind a spiritual war against Satan. <clears throat> For example, how Satan will cause you to sin against Yahweh by doubting Yahweh and trusting him instead and instead following your flesh to fulfill your own desires. That's what Satan does. He did it to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he did it to Yeshua on the mountains in the wilderness. If he can just get you to doubt him, just doubt Yahweh, you'll follow him if he can get you to doubt Yahweh and trust him then he wins, that's his his tactic brothers and sisters, he is casting showers of flaming arrows at you as he rages against you in battle and if you're pierced with one of them you're going to die out, that's what's going to happen, so Paul says take up the shield of faith and with it you can extinguish these arrows so this concept is not one necessarily against worldly problems but against spiritual arrows of doubt all Satan needs is a little seed of doubt to, to sow And when his arrow pierces you, the sin will take hold and it will start to grow. So let's talk about that shield of faith a little bit and what it would look like and how it would perform if we used it. There are several kinds of shields that were used in those days, back in the Roman days with the Roman army, things like that. But there were two that were carried primarily by Roman soldiers. And the first one was a small shield that looked kind of like a big disc maybe 18 inches in diameter. You've probably seen these in the movies. And it had leather straps on the back side of it. You'd slide your, maybe your not so dominant hand into the, into the straps and you would hold it. And in the right hand, you would, uh, you would have a sword, okay? And now according to verse 17, the sword was called a makaira, which is a Greek word mean, that means dagger, okay? So you'd have the, that small disc shield in your left hand. You'd have a short sword in your right hand, a, a dagger. And the shield would have had to been kind of light, and it would have had to been used to been able to be used pretty quick, where you could wheel it around, protect, you know, protect yourself against hand-to-hand combat. And it couldn't have been a large shield because the soldier would have had to been mobile. He would have had to been fast. It was something that he carried on him, so quick to move and dodge the blows of his soldier that he was meeting. So that's one kind of shield that was used back then. But I don't think necessarily that that's what Paul's talking about when he mentions the shield here in verse sixteen. The Greek word used here in verse sixteen is the Greek word thurion. Okay? And it would have it would have been a shield about four and a half feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. Much larger shield. Much larger shield. It was probably made of wood. It was about two inches thick and it would have possibly been wrapped or covered with metal and or leather. And that and they would have probably shellacked it with some kind of shellac that um, made it non-flammable. All right, now whatever that is, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Some some uh, things that I read mention oil and stuff like that. Oil seems flammable to me, but that's what they said that they would have shellacked it with to to keep it from catching on fire when it's hit with a arrow that's lit with fire. Okay, <clears throat> so. Either way, it was a massive shield, different from the small, smaller round one that would have been used for combat that we just talked about. And this one, you could hide behind. You could actually hide behind this shield. As a matter of fact, I know that Matthew has taught on this before, and uh, I remember a while back. It's been a few years ago, but he talked about, uh, at one time, the size of the Messiah. Uh, he was talking about what he would have looked like and how he would have been... Meek and lowly and humble and and uh, maybe not the most beautiful man, but he would have been small in stature and things like that and I remember that, and every little bit of digging and information that I can come up with supports that. I, I believe most of the Israelite men and around that culture were really small people they weren't they weren 't big guys at all and you can see this when uh, when you look at the armor that they wore. if you were to go into a museum today and if you were to see the armor. That, that is presented in museums from Roman times, these guys were, were short. The armor at best was five feet tall. you know it wasn't wasn't real big armor. You might even wonder how they got into their armor, but it must have fit them. They were just small people. So in retrospect, a shield that's four and a half foot tall, two and a half foot wide, would or could possibly cover a whole soldier's body. So basically that would just they just prop the shield on the ground and get behind it, and this is how battles were fought in those days. You would have a front line line of soldiers that would carry these shields, and as they advanced towards the enemy and the enemy would fire the flaming arrows across the battlefield, the front line would stick the shields down in the ground kneel down behind them or get down behind them, and they would form a hedge of protection against the men. And obviously this was not just on the front line, but maybe two or three lines back, you'd have another row of shields, and two or three lines back, you'd have another row of shields, and this is how they protect the army as they move towards whatever they were we're going up against. <clears throat> now think about that kind of shield, and I want you to draw that kind of p- picture in your mind, and I want you to remember this analogy that Paul is using to show what your faith is supposed to be made of, because this is what he's comparing our faith to, all right? In other words, when Satan comes and tries to shoot at you with these flaming arrows of doubt, grab that giant shield and get behind it. Have faith that Yahweh is the greater power, He's going to do the fighting for you, but have faith that he's going to win the battle. The shield of faith is a very, very important piece of this armor. And another thing I want you to, I want to emphasize is is this. The words in addition to, if you're reading the HCSB, my Bible says, some Bibles will say in addition to, my Bible says in every situation the HCSB does. Or your Bible may say something like, above all, as it starts verse 16. Okay, depending on what version you read. The phrase is not talking about importance. Okay, So when you read, above all, you may think, above all the rest of the armor, it's more important. But that's not what it means. We've already discovered that all the armor is important and that every piece is necessary for our spiritual battles. So if you notice, it says, in addition to, or in every situation, take the shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Notice the verb change that takes place from verse 14 where it says with. With truth like a belt around your waist and compare that to verse 16 and 17 to take. Take the shield of faith, etc. In our everyday uniform of armor, we naturally should have on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and our shoes of the gospel of peace, right? We should have that on Regardless, we get up in the morning, that's what we put on every day. And we do this by standing and committing ourselves to the army of Yahweh. Then we live holy lives. And we rest in the gospel of peace that the battle has been won and that we are already victors of the battle. But in verse 16, Paul says, In every situation, or in addition to, in addition to what? In addition to what you're already wearing. In addition to the armor that you've already put on. In addition to that, when the battle rages, in addition to that, then you pick up the shield of faith to protect you. Okay, this is that big shield. We've already got our battle garments on, we're going to pick up that big shield. Saints, we should constantly be prepared with our normal armor for everyday trials that may come our way, but sometimes the battle is going to get intense. Sometimes it's going to get even harder. And when it does, we need to grab that shield, we need to get behind it. It's kind of like a football player. I was thinking when I was putting a sermon together, all football players, when they get ready to play football, they they go in the locker room and they put their football attire on. So you got your pants and you got your cleats and your shoulder pads and your jersey and all that stuff, your socks, and you get all suited up. But he doesn't put his helmet on. He doesn't put his mouthpiece in. He totes it out onto the field, and he sits on the bench and he puts his helmet down beside him, and the mouthpiece is hooked to the helmet. And when the coach calls him to get him ready to go into the game, the guy gets up, he puts his helmet on, throws his mouthpiece in and out on the field he goes. Why? He didn't need it. He's sitting on the sideline. He's dressed, he's suited for the game, but he doesn't need the helmet on until he's playing. Well, it's kind of the same same thing here. In everyday life, we're suited with our armor. We get up, we stand, we get committed, we put on the breastplate of holy living. And we have confidence in the gospel of our reconciliation with the creator of heaven and earth. We're prepared daily that way. Sometimes we may go all day. We may even go weeks where we don't need an extra shield in our daily lives. It might not be that bad. You may be doing pretty good with your regular armor and facing your normal trials. But I assure you, brothers and sisters, at some point, there's coming a day when the battle's going to get intense. And Satan's going to throw a hundred quivers of arrows at you at one time and you're going to need that shield. You're going to wish you had it. And when that happens, Paul says, in addition to your already donned battle armor, take up the shield so that you can protect yourself. You may need to get behind that shield. There's coming a time. I've experienced times like that in my life where everything just runs smooth and you just got constant little nitpicking things. But your daily armor, your righteous living, your, your confidence in the gospel, and your commitment to Yahweh, that's enough. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes you got to have a little faith. Sometimes you got to hang on. Now, I've mentioned flame and dark several times, or flaming arrows, rather. But we need to ask ourselves, what exactly are these fiery arrows? And where do they come from? Number one, the source of the arrows should be obvious. We just talked about it, as Satan. Satan has been the antagonist of this whole chapter and his demonic influence on earth as it pertains to our spiritual life. Now, I know that there are some theories out there that, that claim that there is no devil and there is no Satan, but it seems to me that Satan is evident throughout all the scripture. That's right. That's right. And especially here in this block of verses, these block of verses. Some would say that anything that opposes our spiritual nature could be called Satan or, or an adversary, but it seems a lot more personal than that to me. So I believe that he's real. I believe he's as real as these chairs are in this sanctuary. I believe he's out there. I believe that he was an angel that Yahweh created along with all the other host of heavens. That he was cast out a long time ago. And he's been going to and fro on this earth. Trying to corrupt men and manipulate mankind for thousands of years. I believe Satan's a real thing. I'm reminded of Job when he was tempted and tormented by Satan. The scripture even records that Satan speaks to Yahweh himself in essence to get permission to go after Job. As for me, I believe he's real and he's wily and he's crafty in his, in his deceit. So Satan is the source of the fiery arrows, but what exactly are the arrows? Well, in those days, people would have been, they would have used bows to shoot arrows and also other mechanical devices to launch arrows, possibly from a rooftop into a battlefield. So they, had, they had different kind of mechanical things back then as well. And these arrows could have been wrapped in cotton or some sort of linen or cloth or something like that, and they would have been dipped in pitch. And then after they would be strung to a bow and, they would be lit on fire. All right? <clears throat> Once the arrow was fixed and fired and hit its target, the pitch would splatter and cause whatever it hit to become inflamed. So if it hit a soldier on the ground, it may catch him on fire. It may hit the ground around him, catch the ground on fire, consume whatever was in its path in the form of fire. And that's the physical aspect of what a fiery dart you know, or a fir- fiery arrow looked like, and that's what its potential was. But what does Satan's arrows look like? And what do they do? What is the metaphorical side or the spiritual side, if you will? Remember Paul, Paul's taking something that he sees physically in this Roman soldier. He's looking at him with his whole battle armor and he's transferring all this to the spiritual to the spiritual armor of a saint. So what are Satan's fiery arrows? Here's a suggestion. I believe it's any seducing temptation. Any seductive temptation. I believe that Satan fires arrows of impurity. Selfishness, doubt, fear, disappointment, lust, greed, vanity, covetousness, adultery, envy, lying, malice, and any other evil temptation of sin. He bombards us with arrows of unholiness, and all his seductive temptations are in effort to elicit in all of us all non-Christ-like evil responses. <clears throat> and brothers and sisters, sometimes Satan makes it rain with arrows. You hear the song It's rain and men? Well it's raining air. Sometimes Satan will put it on you, and you can't you can't get it off of you. So what is our defense? It's the shield of faith. That's the that's the defense against the reigning of the airs. The shield of faith that will just get behind. When I say faith, what do I mean? Just believe in Yahweh. Just really believe in Yahweh. Believing that He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Mm. Believing that He's the creator of all things. Believing that He does and can deliver us out of all things that we go through believing that the war has already been won trusting in his son and believing in his righteousness do you not know that the righteous shall live by faith mm-hmm. hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 galatians 3 and verse 11 romans 1 and verse 17 all of these verses say that the righteous shall live by faith yes. when yahweh says something that many times we ought to get the message Faith is what we hold on to. Faith is our shield. It's our confidence. Yahweh is what we stand behind for all protection. We put him in front and we get behind. We battle as far as we can and then we get behind him. We have faith in him that he can win the battle. Mm -hmm. It is believing what he says and trusting that he can bring to fruition all that he promises that he can and will do. And look, folks, we all have faith in something. You've got faith in something. When you get in your car in the morning and you turn the key on in your car, you have faith that it's going to crank or you would not never turn it on. When you when you go to the restroom, you have faith that that toilet's going to flush or you wouldn't sit down. There's some said to take men in here. Why do we sometimes have trouble with much faith, with this little bit of faith in Yahweh? We we, we trust in everything. We get on airplanes and fly slap across the country and have faith that that pilot is going to control that crash because that's all it is when you take off, it's takeoff. when you land, that's a controlled crash you're crashing the whole time, he just controls it. and we have, we have faith that he's going to control that we, 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 we have all the faith in the world and things like that, but we doubt Yahweh in little bitty simple things, like he can't shield the devil off of us wow. that he doesn't give us the tools that we need to make it in life wow. it's silly yeah. it's silly we battle temptation and sin on our own every day because we doubt that Yahweh can deliver us. We have a whole book of astonishing stories where He has delivered Israel from the most horrid times known to man, and we still struggle with the little things. Over and over and over again, we watch Him deliver them out of the hands of Egypt, out of the Assyrians, out of the Philistines over and over and over again and we don't have faith that He can deliver us from our small problems. We don't even know what persecution is, people. We have no idea. We've never lived lives like they live. It's simple what we go through. We don't grab the shield of faith. We just stand alone and get shot at with flaming arrows. That's what we do. Brothers and sisters, 1 John 5.10 says if we don't believe or if we doubt Yahweh, we make Him a liar. Every time we sin or we're doubting Yahweh, we doubt his instructions and we believe a lie instead we believe a lie of temptation instead think about Eve the perfect garden life was good they walked around naked all day eating fruit sounds like paradise I like ice cream fruit would have worked it didn't matter but what happened here comes Satan what does he say why don't you eat of the tree Eve well we can't Yahweh always said that we can't eat of the tree and Satan says, ah, he just doesn't want you to be smart and live forever like he does. There's the temptation. That's the fire, fiery error. What happens? She gets smoked with the fiery error. She don't have a shield. She gets smoked. Down goes Eve. Mm-hmm. And not only down goes Eve, she takes Adam with her. Too bad she didn't have a Ephesians 6 to read. She might have thrown up that shield. She didn't have it then. Something to protect herself, to guard her faith that Yahweh knows best but the point is that she doubted Yahweh, she made him a liar and he didn't take too kindly to that out of the garden they go and the rest of us are the product of fallen men the same was the same way Eve doubted Yahweh and sin is the same way that we do it every single day, Satan fires an arrow and it looks good it sounds good but it's just a live temptation to get you away from the truth of your faith It can be anything. I could have took tons of analogies and put them in here. But Satan may plant that seed that it's okay to sleep with this man or this woman before we're married. Mm. It's okay to uh, tell this person a little lie because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or it's okay to do this or do that or to cheat a man or to use unbalanced weights and measures. It's okay to do that. Because I'm going to reap some kind of big reward out of it or I'm going to get what I need now or it's going to make it easy for me down the road. It's okay to do that thing. And that's what Satan puts in your mind. And you doubt the word of Yahweh where Yahweh, where he says, don't have this on its weights and measures. Wait until you're married. To, don't defile that, that marriage bed. Things like that. But But we think, well, it's good for our flesh. We need to do that. We need to do that. It feels good. It feels good. And that's the seed that he sows and it turns into sin. And sin results in death. Yes. Okay? Those are the those are the arrows that he's casting. So Yahweh is sure to keep his promises. Of that I can assure you. And that goes for the reward and the punishment. Both reward for obedience and punishment for disobedience are promises. Do you want Yahweh to open up the windows of heaven and bless you? Do you want to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? Do you want to receive all good things that come down from the Father of lights? Sure you do. And so do I. So do I. Yahweh always saying, I want to bless you. But will you be obedient and will you, be, will you believe me? Do you have the shield of faith? Will you do what I ask so that I can bless you? Will you walk in my ways and keep my commands and have faith in my instruction? Mm-hmm. Then I'll bless you. But if we don't have faith in that, we don't have our shield up, then comes along Satan and says, I'll do it my way. You'll like it a lot better. It'll be a lot more fun. It's a whole lot easier my way. Just try this one time. He don't. He just wants you to be. He don't want you to be smart like him. Don't do what he says. And that's the temptation that we struggle with. And the first thing that we do is we fall in for that temptation. And when we do, it makes Yahweh a liar, and we never see his blessing, or at least what we could see, because we don't trust him enough and just have faith. Do you know that Eve, if Eve would have just trusted Yahweh and believed him. Believed in him in faith and threw up her shield, she'd still be walking around eating fruit naked in the garden. That sounds fun to me, but nope, she got smoked with the air, and uh, that old wily serpent took it, took it advantage of her, you know. Mm-hmm. And not just her, we would have done the same thing too. I would like to think that I could have, I could have stood him off, but we're talking about the craftiest serpent ever, ever walked the face of the earth. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have done any different. <clears throat> like I said before we see proof time and again of all the miraculous stories and deliveries of Yahweh throughout the scripture but well, we're just like Eve and the minute we get a flaming arrow tossed our way we cave and get hit when everything's going good we all have confidence in Yahweh when you're living on top of the mountain you can, you can brag on Yahweh and how strong your faith is and how confident you are and man you just got the bull by the horns and it sounds good We all have confidence in him. But as soon as the stuff hits the fan, as soon as the air flies over us, we all fall in deception mode. We start thinking, man, Yahweh's forsaken us. Where's he at? I'm going through a hard time in life. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do about it. I've battled cancer for the last year and a half, and there's a lot of times I thought, where are you at? Where are you at? You have left me here right by myself. Where are you at? Instead of having a little faith. Instead of putting up that shield and battling off those, all those arrows, I thought, man, why have you left me here? Job, the first three or four chapters of Job, the ten chapters of Job, that's what he's doing. Where is he at? I've been righteous my whole life. Why in the world does he do this to me? Why in the world does he do this to me? We start thinking Yahweh's forsaken instead of thinking about verses like, I've never seen Yahweh's children begging bread. Why? or seek ye first the kingdom of Yahweh and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you mm. instead what do we, we do we seek after the things that are supposed to be added unto us and we forget about seeking first the kingdom of Yahweh and his righteousness we forget about that folks when we do things like that we are in essence making Yahweh a liar like I said First John five ten says the one who does not believe Yahweh has made him a liar when we don't believe him, we don't put our faith in him, he can't bless us. Not that he can, he, he won't. Because he's not a liar and he has surely promised us curses for disobedience. Mm-hmm. Or at least he holds blessings back to some degree because of it. So why? Why, why, why? Why would we continue to fall into temptation instead of believing the truth of Yahweh and getting behind our shield of faith? Mm-hmm. The Bible says that Abraham believed Yahweh and it was credited to him for righteousness. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 says that every word of Yahweh is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Guys, believe in Yahweh. Trust in His word and put your shield of faith up. In closing, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We've talked about the shield of our faith against the devil and his arrows. And I know it's not always easy, but I want to show you why there's no need to fear. And then I'll close the sermon out. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32. And following, I'll go through them. Starting in verse 31, it says, What then are we to say about these things? If Yahweh is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but He offered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him grant us everything? Hmm. In other words, if Yahweh gave up His own Son to save our souls, Would he not give us everything we need to win a spiritual battle? He went that far. He thought enough of us to give up his own child to save us. You don't think he'll give you what you need? You don't think he'll pull you through the fire when it gets hot? Sure he will. Verse 33, it says this. It says, Who can bring an accusation against the Almighty's elect? The Almighty is the one who justifies. So if Yahweh is the judge and the jury, who can charge us with an accusation? Nobody, right. right? Nobody. Verse 34, it says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Yeshua is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of the Almighty, and he intercedes for us. What he means here is that Christ has died for us. He was raised for us, and he intercedes for us. Surely since he died for us, he wouldn't condemn us. He died on the torture stake so that we might have salvation. He's not up there to condemn us. Mm. Who's going to stand against us? I hope you see that. Verse 35 and 36, it says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul says, can anything separate us from... Christ's love. The question is rhetorical, and the answer is in verse thirty-seven. It says, "No, in all these things we are more than victorious through Him who loved us." What things are we more than victorious over? All the persecutions that are listed in verses in verse thirty-five and thirty-six. We're more than victorious over those things, and now verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of the Almighty that is in Christ, Yeshua our Lord. Folks, this is what your faith is built on. This is your shield. Yahweh is sure. Our election is sure. And our salvation is sure. When Yahweh sets a plan in action, rest assured that He will bring it to fruition. He's got it. He's got it. We're just to stand, number one, to live holy lives. Number two, trust the gospel of the peace. Number three, and now, the fourth part of the armor, take up the shield of faith. All protect us from the temptation and the seduction of Satan. Can we do that? I think we can. we just got to trust Yahweh we don't have to fear we just have to have faith and let me say this 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 8 through 10 it says this be sober be on alert your adversary the devil is prowling around like a Roman lion looking for anyone he can devour resist him firm in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brothers in the world now the Almighty of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ Yeshua will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. Brothers and sisters, trouble is coming your way. We're going to suffer a little. But have faith that Yahweh can and will restore us. We must put up the, field, the shield of faith when the battle rages. And that's nothing more than than the consistent application of what we believe about Yahweh to the issues of life. Apply what you know about Yahweh and His Son to any issue of temptation that comes your way. Know and trust Yahweh. Read and study His Word. Pray and trust and commune with Him daily. Fast. Seek Him first. And as you grow to know Him through these ways, you will also grow to trust Him. And when when your trust is established, Your faith is secure. And when your faith is secure, be sure to recall how good and how faithful Yahweh has been to your memory every time that Satan fires an arrow at you. Mm. By doing this, you'll put up the shield of faith and extinguish the arrows of Satan. I love you, saints. That's it for me. I'll pray unless somebody can take this. Yahweh, Father, I thank you for this day and your blessings and your love and your mercy. Yahweh, you are great and kind. You are our shield. You're our strong tower, Father, we can run to you. We can hide behind you. When the battle gets too rough and it rages on, Father, we're no match for the adversary. We're no match for an angel that you created years and years and years ago. We know that, Father. But you've given us the equipment to at least shield it, to at least stand up, to stand for you, to get committed. Father, to live holy lives. We, we know what it takes to do that. Father, I, just give, I pray that you give us the strength to do that. Oh, yes. Yahweh, help us. Help us, we believe, but help our unbelief. Give us the strength. Give us give us faith that we need. Father, let us, let us don this uh, armor and, and live a life of a soldier that is sold out for you. Father, I love you. I thank you for the words that you've given us today, and I just pray that we would use them, make them applicable in our lives, and, and uh, Father, that we would serve you with everything we have. Father, we thank You for Your only begotten Son and all that He did, the example that He set and the things that we have to follow because of His perfect life, sinless life. Father, we lift Him up today and um, give You honor and praise and glory in all things. We ask this in His holy name. Amen. Amen.